Welcome into another episode of the Rutgers Scoutcast. By my count, this is the 35th one of these, and I have fun each week putting it together. I, I When I write something on the Scarlet Report message boards or on Twitter that this is my favorite part of the week, it really is outside of you know when I'm sitting down watching some wrestling or TV or wasting my time. But work-related stuff, this is definitely my favorite thing that I do right now. I have a lot of fun with it, and I'm excited about how many people have been able to listen the last few weeks. It's getting bigger every week. We've had some fun guests. We've had a wide variety of guests, and I think my favorite part of this show is that I'm able to introduce people to Rutgers athletes or coaches or recruits in a way that doesn't really translate to a 500 word article or you know a recruiting video interview or hell one of those ridiculous slideshows that we're subjected to anyway we're going to have two more of those this week coming up as I'm sure you can tell from the title of the episode when you hit that download on iTunes or when you hit stream through scarletreport.com we have wrestlers on this week Anthony Ashnault and Nick Gravina uh, Anthony Ashnault, I consider to be the best interview at Rutgers right now. He's probably on my Mount Rushmore of Rutgers interviews. Uh, who else is on there? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I can give you that in a Q&A in the future if someone's interested. But Anthony Ashnault's definitely up there, and he doesn't let us down, which you're going to hear in a little bit. Uh, Nick Ravina is another kid that I've spoken to a few times. This is, I think, the maybe the second time I've had a one-on-one interview with him. It was fun talking not just, you know, hey, how did your match go tonight? You know, how do you feel about how you're wrestling right now? Is a little more getting to know him. You're going to hear from both of them in a little bit. And then we're going to check in with myself and Brian Doan in an abbreviated news segment this week where we're going to be talking about the... 10th anniversary of that Louisville game. You might have heard of it. It happened in 2006. They're honoring that team tomorrow against Indiana. Brian and I are going to talk a little bit about that during the show. And so you ask, why is this episode abbreviated? Well, unfortunately for me, or for you, for the listeners of the show, uh, I had some responsibility changes, a new project, some other work-related things that have come into my life that we're going to, that take away from the time that I've normally allotted for this show. This show is a passion project for me. It's not something that I expect to sell a bunch of subscriptions or make me a bunch of money or to anything like that. So my, my work comes first, and so that's why shows will be abbreviated. Hopefully it's just for a couple of weeks that we'll have shorter shows, but it also could lead to a different format with these shows, or maybe I can do two shorter ones a week. I just, I can't commit the three or four or five hours it takes to put one of these together right now with some other projects that I'm working on. Hopefully that changes soon because I love this show and I appreciate everyone that's listened, reviewed in iTunes. So yeah, shorter episodes for a couple weeks, but fear not, the show's not going away. Like I said, I don't, I don't do this for money. I, I think I did the math and I make about 75 cents per episode. <laughs> and so when you talk about four or five hours it takes to put them together, uh, you can do the math on my hourly wages for this podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's what's going on behind the scenes. 
you know, any other questions or whatever, you're welcome to contact me, shelman at scout.com, at Sam Hellman Scout. If you want the mailbag to continue, keep sending your questions there as well. So before we jump into our interviews with Anthony Ashnault and Nick Ravina, you're going to hear them in that order. Just a couple of things quickly that are on my mind that we won't discuss with Brian later in the show. It starts where else but quarterback. Uh, you know, it's 10-year anniversary of the Rutgers-Louisville game. This is my 10th season covering Rutgers. I started the, the South Florida upset in 07 was my first game that I covered professionally. And you know what? <laughs> Just about ever since then, ever since uh, then, there's been some kind of quarterback controversy or drama that goes with that position at Rutgers. And, and it's nice, at least for the last two weeks or so, to be pretty drama-free at the position. The closest thing that we have to a controversy right now is the Tylen Oden mandate, I guess you can call it. Rutgers told broadcasters a couple weeks ago that they were committed to playing Tylen Oden in every game the rest of the season, and that didn't look good against Minnesota when he was kind of shoehorned in there at the height of Gio Rochino's run. He was really catching his stride, and then he got pulled. And Rutgers had said that some of that was injury-based, but those two plays where he was out, the, the chemistry, it was just it was weird. And so I understand why fans are critical of this uh, decision to play Odin every game. I don't have a problem with it personally. It came up with Chris Ash this week. And just because they want to play him in every game doesn't mean they 100% will. It has to be the right opportunity. And that's what the coaches had said this week in practice. Like They're not going to do it if it doesn't make sense. It has to be the right situation. So... While the way that Odin played against Minnesota didn't make any sense to the casual onlooker, and I was certainly critical of it at the time, they're not going to do that every game just because. You know, we're not going to be talking about a two-minute drill with Rutgers down by three against Indiana where you magically put in Tylen Odin who can't really complete passes yet. So I think it's fun that this is the level of quarterback controversy we have at least right now, it's certainly a welcome change. And I think that most Rutgers fans, I don't want to speak for you, but I will. I think you got to like that now it's complaining or being concerned about one guy getting one series instead of the 18 games of Chris Laviano where there was a lot of dissatisfaction with his performance on the field, his performance off the field, his interviews. Speaking of interviews, Gio Rochino was awesome this week. That He's a guy that has the personality that he can have fun with it. A lot of Rutgers quarterbacks haven't had that. Mike Teal can have fun with it at times. Chase Dodd had a good time. It, sometimes Gary Nova, every once in a while, when you could get him to relax a little bit, was fun. But I think Giovanni Rochino might be the most fun quarterback that we've had as a starter, at least in my time here. Uh, any quarter, any quarterback that wants to talk Eminem with me, I, I'm all about that. Uh, he's from that 313 area and proudly represents his Eminem fandom, so that's fun. He he can he can answer in like a self-deprecating way that comes off as endearing. We'll see how endearing that is if you know if he's 0 and 5 in his uh, starts as a quarterback. Losses can wear on anyone, and I would 
not be surprised if that happens to Gio as well as the season goes on. But he's done a great job so far. He's done everything that Rutgers has asked him. He looks prepared on the field. And on top of that, Gio, he knows what he's doing wrong. He, he know, I asked him on Monday about the turnover problems. He's had four of them already, and he's only been the starter for a week and a half. And he knows that it's a problem, and it's his focus this week to get those turnovers down. So watch that. That's something to watch on Saturday. How does Rochino take care of the football? Because you can't give the ball away if you're the Rutgers offense. You're struggling for points as it is, and if you're giving the ball away, you got no shot. I hope everyone enjoyed the coverage this week. Everything groundbreaking, facilities, Pat Hobbs, all that kind of stuff. That coverage is all over scarletreport.com, both premium and then a couple of other videos that we made free. There's no need for me to rehash it. You guys know how big of a deal this is. Any Rutgers fan, be it a, a young student that's listening to the podcast or you know a longtime 40-year season ticket holder or former coaches, wh- whoever's listening, you know how big of a deal it is and you don't need me to tell you. But what I would say is that Despite all of the money and the numbers you're seeing, Rutgers still has a lot of work to do to get this done to reach their $100 million goal, and I have a lot of confidence that they'll get it done. Pat Hobbs has done a great job in his first 11 months. He's done more and shown me more in fundraising in 11 months than I've seen in nine years and three athletic directors that preceded him during my time here. They're doing a great job. And you don't need me to tell you that, so I'm going to stop telling you that. And instead, I'm going to tell you that I had a great time talking with a couple of wrestlers. Rutgers has very high goals as a program this year. Scott Goodale, head coach, also uh, celebrating 10 years with the program, almost. He's got high goals for his team. They sent 10 guys to NCAAs last year. They want to do it again. They want to have more than two All-Americans. They want to win a national championship. And some of those goals are really feasible, and that starts with the face that runs the place, Anthony Ashnell, and you're going to hear from him right now on the Rutgers ScoutCast. Rolling sound with uh, Anthony Ashnell, Mr. All-American-American here at uh, Rutgers Wrestling Media Day. How are you enjoying the way that you're able to promote the program at something like this? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, All our guys are awesome. We don't have just great wrestlers. We got great people involved with uh, with our team and our program. Uh, probably kudos to our coaches. They created they created a mold for our culture of res- Rutgers wrestling. And each individual you talk to, you could realize that they're special people and they really care about where Rutgers wrestling is and where we need to go and where where we want to go. So it's awesome to be a part of. It seems like for you, ever since you committed as a recruit, that you've really been all in on the marketing aspect of this, uh, you know, talking about what Rutgers can grow into, and we're starting to see that now. What is it like to see it grow? It's really exciting. It's probably happened quick, happening quicker than most of us were going to think it would, but uh, we're in New Jersey, very fat, fast-paced atmosphere. People want even quicker. Uh, like, you hear Coach Goodell joking around how quick the, how quick's the facility going to get built because... I mean, everyone wants things done, just bing, bing, bing. But uh, with, within wrestling, I think we're doing a great job every year. Year and after year, we're getting better. We're getting better guys to come here. and it just It's just really exciting. Uh, more money from donors are coming in, and just 
all all aspects of Rutgers wrestling is growing, and I think it's just going to keep growing until I'm done with Rutgers, at least. You said that it might be growing faster than a lot of people expected. Is it growing faster than you expected it to grow? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I saw myself winning a national title as a freshman in college. It didn't work out like that. It didn't work out like that as a sophomore, but still the kind of people we were able to get so I, uh, so I could train with them, so other people um, in the room could train with them. We have Taylor Walsh, she's a four-time All-American National Finals, training with us now in the Regional Training Center in Parati State to help out. Uh, we got Coach Pritzloff, who when I wasn't here, when I first came here, he wasn't here. He was recruiting me from Michigan, actually, and uh, he was a two-time national champ. We just had guys after guys come in here year after year. It seems like it just keeps building and building, and it's just tremendous for myself to, to like think in the back of my mind that I made the best decision of my life when I was only a 17-year-old kid. And, it could have went so many other directions, but it, it turned out to be the best direction it could have went. A lot of my job is the recruiting stuff for football and basketball on the recruiting sites, and Rutgers doesn't necessarily get that big-time recruit. What made you do that for wrestling? Because a lot of times someone that's as big as you are in high school does go to the Michigan, you yeah. know, look no farther than Jabril Peppers in football. Yeah. Why did you pick Rutgers? Uh, mostly because... I feel like the other programs helped help me make the decision even uh, easier for myself because they kept uh, advertising the history that these other programs had and what they already established and the culture they already had. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I could do this anywhere. I could train as hard as I possibly can. And I, I believed in myself and my abilities that no matter where I was at in the country, it wasn't going to matter because I was going to work extremely hard. So then the other aspects came into Rutgers. It was, I'm going to create... I'm going to try to create something extremely special and something that isn't hasn't been done yet at Rutgers, and it'll just be so much cooler and so much neater to be able to do it 15 minutes from my family. And my brother wrestled for Rutgers, so that was another aspect. And I've known Coach Goodale since I was in, like, sixth grade, and I used to come to the uh, Scarlet Knights Wrestling Club as, as a little kid and high school kid. So once I realized that I wasn't going to make a difference um, with with where I went because I knew I was going to be as good as I possibly could get. Then it was just an easy decision. Rutgers was the best college, I thought, in my eyes. Best atmosphere other than wrestling. I love the schooling. I love the atmosphere, the different campuses. And everyone about athletics at Rutgers is so excited, and they only support you and only want to see you do good things. It seems like you mentioned, obviously, your real family. You're so close to them and you know, still a family at Rutgers. But it, it seems like this program has that family atmosphere, too, like guys, your teammates. Yeah. Do you get that vibe, like it's a, the brotherhood kind of thing? Yeah, 100%. Uh, you see it, every sport, I think Rutgers has a motto, our family. And uh, that we really take that in and take that to heart because, especially with wrestling, we're bleeding sweating with each other every single day. And 30 men deep, we're going to be there for each other. We're going to be a brotherhood. If, if one guy goes down, we all go down. If one guy's up high, we're all up high. So uh, it's a brotherhood for sure, and we're going to back each other up. We're going to talk about each other, help each other out, and we're trying to create something more special than it already is now. So uh, I think that's what it's going to take to get there. And everyone's got to have each other's backs. All the coaches have to have the wrestlers' backs. The wrestlers have to have the coaches' backs. That's the kind of atmosphere we created, and that's kind of part of Rutgers wrestling culture. Just a couple more questions here. You, you talked about the environment. What do you think the environment's going to be like when you're wrestling outside High Point Solution Stadium? The actual environment? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, we're well, all... I'm, I'm sure you're a little worried about that and then the crowd environment, yeah, too. We're all expecting it to be cold. I mean, it's not like we don't think it's going to be cold, but uh, it's more exciting to us than anything. Like, 
we, none of us probably got to compete in front of 20,000 people before besides wrestling on like ESPN at the national tournament. But in actual person, no one got to compete in front of 20,000 people on our team. And that's super exciting for wrestling. That doesn't really happen often. And uh, it's really good to just change it up, different atmosphere from wrestling your whole life. I, I wrestled since I was four years old in hot gyms all day. And uh, my parents complaining, like, can't believe we're doing this for you kind of things. <laughs> and now it's, just, it's exciting to change it up because it makes everyone look at it a little differently. And we get questions all the time walking around campus. It's getting students involved in wrestling. And I think it's going to be an opportunity for Rutgers Wrestling. When people that never saw us compete before, they're going to come and they're going to fall in love with it. So that's really exciting. And it's good for Princeton. They have one of their best teams they had in a long time. We have one of the best teams we had in a long time. So it's going to be a good dual meet, too, and it's going to be exciting matches for the fans. I asked the same three questions at the end of all these. I call them the big three. Uh, my first question for you is who's your favorite uh, Rutgers athlete, whether it's someone that's here now or you watched as a kid or your brother? Uh, growing up, it was Brian Leonard, for sure. I always came. My dad had season tickets before, before Rutgers had the, even the student section built. So I remember watching Leonard hurdle over guys, and that was awesome. I remember he took the band, let him in the band, and I wasn't even at, uh, at Rutgers yet, and I was able to see that, and that probably made it easier to come to Rutgers. I was at those football games when we were at an all-time low, just starting to come up, and with Shiano, and that was exciting. I really liked watching him compete and what kind of person he was. Were you at the Louisville game? Yep, yep, we charged the field. Me and my dad charged the field, so... It's exciting. Um, my second question, and Louisville might be part of the answer here, but what's your favorite memory when you think about all your experiences at Rutgers, whether it's now as a wrestler or as a kid following football? Um, and now it would definitely be competing. One of my greatest memories would be beating Nebraska last year because it was the first time I felt like I uh, I did a contribution to our team, that uh, like our team, a team as a whole accomplished something special. We beat the fourth-ranked team in the country at the time, and that was an awesome experience. Everyone chipped in and did their part. And I remember a lot of times in high school, I was, I competed for South Plainfield. We were very, very good. We were usually number one in the state. And it was moments like that all the time in high school that I, that it was always a team aspect. And to create something like that at Rutgers was extremely special to me. And that's the kind of things that I look forward to in these next two years competing for Rutgers. And last question, most importantly for me, uh, if you get one more meal at Rutgers, where are you going and, and what are you going to order? And let's just say it's in the off season, so you don't have to worry about making weight. All right. Um, probably going to go Hansel and Griddle and get a Buffalo Crisp and a banana flip. Uh, ranch or blue cheese? Blue cheese. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. Thanks. Definitely. All right, I'm rolling sound here with uh, Nick Ravina at Rutgers Wrestling Media Day. Uh, tell me about how your, your training has been going so far this year. Yeah, training's been going really well. There's been a couple of hiccups, uh, just little kinks in the body and stuff, but that's expected, and we're really just kind of going through uh, some hard practices and seeing where it takes us. You, you've wrestled through pain before. You're a guy that's shown some toughness on the mat. Oh, thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. I remember last year Coach Goodell put you over big time with the way that you kind of wrestled hurt. Um, how do you like? What's your mentality when that happens? Some people get hurt and they say, "Coach, I'm done. I'm not. I don't want to wrestle." But for you, it seems like you enjoy it. <laughs> I don't really enjoy it, but I just think that everything happens for a reason, and I'm exactly where God wants me. You know, so that kind of helps me out a little bit. What is your excitement level for this season? Oh, it's through the roof. I mean, it's going to be a great season. I can feel it. You can feel the energy in the room, and it's just—it's going to be an unbelievable season. 
Co- Coach Goodell in his press conference said that you guys have really high goals for yourself this season as a team. Mm-hmm. What are your goals this season? My goal is to be an NCAA champion or at least a, uh, an All-American. I think that that's going to be like my biggest goal. How do you go about preparing for that every day? I mean, you're just grinding through classes and, and practices and stuff. You just always keep that in your mind? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you can control the controllables and everything else. just left up to like, chance and stuff. So. Uh, I'm just controlling what I can control. I can control my eating habits. I can control how I practice. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just making sure I can do everything to the best of my ability and see uh, where that takes me. Controlling your eating habits. I went to Rutgers, too. <laughs> I had a lot of trouble with that, and I didn't even have to make weight every day. Like, how do you go through that when you're at Brower or you're walking by, you know, Surf Taco or whatever? Like, how do you behave? Uh, honestly, my eating habits are, like, they're good. But, like, in comparison to some other people who are losing more weight um, than I am, it's a lot different. So, me personally, I, I eat, like, a lot of protein and, like, my vegetables and stuff. But um, I don't really cut down on the amount of food that I eat in comparison to, like, some other kids on the team who have to, like, really drop weight for their weight classes. So, it's more about eating clean, not yes. necessarily managing your calorie intake Absolutely. Or and I think that gives me more energy and uh, makes me better able to practice if I eat clean. And if I'm not eating clean that I like lose that energy and I'm feeling kind of gross by the time practice comes around. I guess that's what the off season's for anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> um, how, how excited are you to wrestle outside? Oh man, it's going to be great. I mean, how many opportunities do you get to um, compete in front of 12,000 fans who just you and one other person in the center of a mat and everybody just watching you? It's like, it's going to be great. Now it's a different kind of wrestling, but they did WrestleMania 29 outside at MetLife mm-hmm. and it rained. And everyone still did okay. You think you're going to be okay if it rains? Yeah, I think we'll, uh, everything happens for a reason. I don't think there's going to be rain, but I think that if there is rain, then, yeah, we'll be okay with it. Uh, I was just talking to Coach Goodell about Rajon Gross joining the team and how he's been like a spark for you guys. What is he like as a teammate? Everyone seems to think his energy level is great. Oh, yeah, he has a lot of energy. He was a, a football player all his life, so he has that kind of like um, – I don't really even know how to describe it, but that just kind of mentality, you know. And uh, I grew up with Rashawn. He went to Don Bosco Prep five minutes from my house, and uh, I knew him throughout high school. He's always been like that. He's always an inspiring kind of person, so it'll be fun to see what he does on the mat this year. I, uh, I do a lot of recruiting stuff for football, and so I got to know him as a recruit, and <laughs> okay. I was really disappointed when he decided not to wrestle also. Uh, how... I guess, did you feel the same way, but how oh, excited are you now that now that he's doing it again? You can ask him. I was on him every day tell, telling him, hey, man, like, if you ever want to come back to wrestling, like, <laughs> we're right here. <laughs> I was even telling him to come in just to be, like, a partner with Billy Smith. And then when, um, when he decided to stop playing football, like, everything became, like, really real and just kind of fell into place for him. So uh, I'm happy that it was there for him. I asked the same three questions at the end of these, like kind of Rutgers-related questions. Um, my first question for you is, uh, who's your favorite Rutgers athlete? Ooh, my favorite Rutgers athlete. And notice I say athlete. I didn't say wrestler or football mm. player. Pick whoever you want. Wow, I've never really thought about that. Um, I think my favorite Rutgers athlete, it's going to sound really corny, but it's my roommate, Anthony Ashnold. Um, that kind of mentality that he has, like not many people – have it and he's just a really special person you know you're right it does sound really corny yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's okay um second question what's your favorite memory when you think about your time at Rutgers so far I think about my time at Rutgers uh my favorite memory was last year uh after the Nebraska match like or um just that feeling 
we upset the number four team in the country. Like, that was insane. Like, I, I can't even describe all the emotions that were going through, like, the entire team. And, yeah, it was just insane. Was that the best uh, home crowd you experienced, you think? just the, It seemed like the crowd was Absolutely. insane. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Everything was vibrating and they were, like, screaming. It was awesome. It was great. Last question, and we talked about food a little bit already, but uh, <laughs> assuming you don't have to make weight and you get to have one meal, whatever you want, at Rutgers, where are you going? Though, Ooh, if you're at Rutgers. Rutgers, probably Steakhouse 85. They have amazing food over there. What would you get? I think it really depends on my mood, but it's some kind of steak, real bloody, medium rare or rare. Yeah, that would be it. For a dessert, probably go with some ice cream, though. Stop by Thomas Sweet on the way Absolutely. back. Absolutely. I don't appreciate it. Of course, man. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks to Anthony Ashnold and Nick Gravina for joining the show this week. Battle at the Birthplace coming up soon. They're pushing for 20,000 fans. I don't know if they're going to get that. I think a lot will depend on the weather, the walk-ups, and how many Penn State football fans might want to watch a little wrestling. But uh, if you're listening to this as it drops... Rutgers, Indiana on Saturday. Rutgers continues the whole 250 celebration. This time it's a 10-year anniversary that they're celebrating, and that's the 2006 team. I wasn't at Rutgers then. Brian wasn't at Rutgers then. So, of course, we're the two perfect people to talk about that season. Brian, what do you remember about that season? Uh, I, I do remember taking off a UCLA practice that Thursday to watch the Louisville game. Um, what I remember was Rutgers winning a ton of close games. I remember them making plays down the stretch, uh, some late plays at North Carolina to hold on to a win. They almost blew a lead at South Florida and had to break up a two-point conversion for a win, if I remember correctly. I remember the week after the Louisville game, uh, I believe it was Brian Leonard on a wheel route that he pulled up a little bit lame, so he couldn't get there. It was wide open for a touchdown, and I remember the ball in the hands of, and I cannot remember the receiver in West Virginia, and it's a touchdown, and it just goes right through his hands. Jamestown. And so those are things I remember, and, and I also remember what it's like to have a running back who can carry an offense because there are very few guys that can turn two yards into eight and negative one yards into four yards. And that's what I I just remember how many times Ray Rice made somebody miss to put the Rutgers offense in a good situation, whether it turned into, you know, taking a second and seven into a second and two or a third and three for a first down. Those are the things I remember. Now, I was a senior in high school this season. So for people my age and younger, this is kind of their expectation for Rutgers is seasons close to or like what Rutgers did in 2006. It's a very different perspective for the young fan base, and I think that's a lot of the impatience you see now is because you have a generation of Rutgers fans now that grew up watching 2006, even 2007 with the ridiculous winning streak they had at the end of the year. Uh, what I remember most about 2006, I, I had decided that I was going to Rutgers very early in my senior year. I got in in probably September. Pretty much once I was accepted, I knew that Rutgers was where I was going to go. So I started following the football team for the first time. I didn't 
I didn't care about Rutgers football until then. I didn't. I, I'm just some kid from Virginia, and so I thought this. Oh wow, Rutgers is good. They must have always been this good. But then you have the perspective of not only the last couple of years, but the 150 years before then, where they aren't good. And I think that's where the real specialness of that season comes in. The season gave hope to the fact that you can win at Rutgers. Since they went and made the decision back in the 70s to, instead of going the Patriot League way, and instead of playing Colgate and Lafayette and Princeton and a lot of those schools, the decision was made to upgrade the schedule, and that's where you know everybody loves the What's a Rutgers-Tennessee game. That's where that came from. And until the season before when Rutgers went to the Insight Bowl, there was never the thought of actually can they be good, can they be relevant in college football. And what that season did was it told people, yeah, you can be relevant. You can be that team that just captivates a nation because everybody was watching. And I know you may not remember this, Sam, but Notre Dame played LSU that year in the Sugar Bowl. And there was a ton of talk that it should have been Rutgers that played LSU instead of Notre Dame. And Notre Dame struggled a lot. And, you know, you had all the feel-good stories and everything. But what it said was for the first time, Rutgers was really relevant. I mean, they had some good years under Graber. I mean, Dick Anderson had some good years. But you're talking about a program that, you know, we all know how long the bowl drought was from the Garden State Bowl, which was pretty much invented for Rutgers to go play in it. And that was what, 78? Somewhere around there, 78. And, you, you know, the one year that they had a chance to go to a bowl, I think it was the Independence Bowl, you know, the same athletic leadership that originally said no to the Big East and decided to stay in the Eastern Eight uh, said no to the bowl game. And so Rutgers didn't play in a bowl game. So it, 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 this kind of gave hope. It gave legitimacy to Rutgers. And it came at a time when the, the Big East really was looking for a different kind of identity, you know, with Virginia Tech and Miami bolting and everything. So it... it, it it became a national story because, you know, it's like the Cubs now, right? Everybody is interested in the Cubs because it was so long since they won. Well, Rutgers was probably equally inept when it came to their history. Um, you know, I, I remember one of, the, one of the great jokes was, you know, Rutgers won the first football game and they haven't won a big one since, right? That, that's what you went into that. that. That was a joke that I heard a lot. Um, so it, it gave a lot of relevance and it gave... It gave people hope. It, it was done. So if it can get done then, why can't it get done again? And, and that's what the significance of that season was. You heard it here. Rutgers football is the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I actually like that comparison. I think that's pretty good. So obviously the biggest part of this season came on November 9th when Rutgers beat Louisville, national audience. I think that game alone helped as a harbinger to expand the stadium. I guarantee you that admissions and applications went up because of what happened on TV that night. Uh, I didn't watch the game. I don't know if you did. Past your bedtime. No, believe it or not, I was on a field trip with my journalism class in Nashville, Tennessee, and we were on one of those stupid music boats. So I was texting 44636 every two minutes uh, to check the scores, I assumed the game was over and somehow Rutgers came back. I had no idea why. 
and I had to pay my parents uh, a little bit of extra cell phone bill for all the texting that it costed me, but that was a really cool night, and it was cool to get back to my hotel as you know, a 17-year-old and stay up till 3 a.m. watching the ESPN replay of that kick. So when you're looking at that game, and if you want to talk about seminal moments for a program, I can easily, easily make the argument that Rutgers is in the Big Ten because of that game. Because if you remember, they put, like, bleachers in the end zone right. because the stadium was open at that end. And your capacity went from, I think, 42,500 to maybe 44,000. And games were sold out. They played Syracuse two weeks later at home. Brian Leonard's last game. Game was sold out. And that's when they said, okay, we need to close the stadium. And so, you know, they said, well, we have 20,000 people on a waiting list for season tickets. It didn't include people with deposits, but anyway, people said they were interested. But it gave them the momentum to close the south end of the stadium where the students are now. And if you don't have that, I don't know if the Big Ten comes in and says, hey, you know what? We're going to take Rutgers with their 42,000-seat stadium. You're now a 52,000-seat stadium. It's enclosed. It looks much better than when it was open. It looks like a a big-time stadium, at least from the inside when you get in. So if you really want to, you know, start connecting the dots on how everything lines up, are they in the Big Ten if they don't win that game? Because I don't know if they can close out the stadium. Well, the TV ratings for that game would have been the same win or loss, so at least that's a nice thing. But I agree with you that so much of what happened is why Rutgers grew over the next couple of years. I'll close just by saying that I thought that Rutgers as a as a school did a great job of promoting that game in that season. And you know me, I'm usually pretty critical of that kind of thing, but I thought they did a great job, whether it was, you know, Mike Francesa doesn't care about Rutgers. He, he can't even say the word. And he was talking about that season. You had Greg Schiano delivering pizzas, and as dumb as that sounds, like that went over pretty well. If it, if this, if it were ten years from now, that would have been viral all over Twitter and Snapchat and stuff. And then you have Brian Leonard. They tried to talk about him as a Heisman candidate, and then Ray Rice emerges as the last and really only legitimate Heisman candidate for Rutgers. They did a really good job marketing, and I think that's why you see so many kids growing up now caring about Rutgers, whereas before they would have just watched Penn State like the rest of South and Central Jersey. Yeah, I've always been, and, and I've, you know, I grew up in the state. I got out of college, and I worked at the Trentonian newspaper, so I was in South Jersey a lot, and it was always the same thing. It, it was, you know, Doug Graber was the coach back in the 90s and it was always the same thing no matter where you went in the state people knew about Rutgers they knew they were terrible but they knew they can't do this they can't do that they can't do this and if you go around the state now it's the same thing in South Jersey they'll talk about hey yes Rutgers isn't doing well why can't they do this why can't they do that but everybody knows about them now whether you're going to go to Penn State or Michigan or Maryland or Boston College whatever Everybody knows about Rutgers, but what that game did was 
for the first time in a very long time, and even since then, it put the football program in a positive light on where it was cool for kids like Bryce Watts, the kid from Tom's River North who's committed now, who grew up loving Rutgers, it made it cool for kids to like Rutgers.